0: Behold, I come quickly. When you hear these words, what comes to mind? Do you feel fear or joy? In the not too distant future, Jesus will return to establish His kingdom here on the earth. And I'll walk you through this end time prophecy scenario on this edition of the End Time Show. We're going to begin today with the three sections of the book of Revelation. What are they? It's very important if you're trying to figure out this end-time scenario that we're all going to go through. Well, the three sections of Revelation, John answered that question in the very first chapter of Revelation, Revelation 1:19. The three sections of Revelation are John, right? the things which thou hast seen, the things which are presently, and the things which will be hereafter. These are the three sections of the book of Revelation. The things which thou hast seen, that was given to John in chapter 1 of Revelation. The things which are, were given in chapters 2 and 3. Churches that would be on the earth at the time when John was, on, was here. 2,000 years ago. The things which shall be hereafter begin in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. It says, After this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said, Come up hither and I will show you things which will be hereafter, John. So this is where the prophetic part of the book of Revelation begins when John is shown things which must be hereafter. We then move into the four divisions of the book of Revelation, which really dramatizes the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth, which includes the skeletal structure of Revelation, which is the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven vials. There's a lot to the book of Revelation, But if you can understand the the segmentation and the divisions, it really becomes pretty easy. Now, contrary to popular belief, these events in the seals, trumpets, and vials, they overlap each other. And it lets us know the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. So let me explain, and then we'll get into the culmination of it all. We're going to go all the way back to the book of... Uh, to Revelation chapter 22 in this lesson. The first seal represents represents Catholicism, the white spirit, which began, began all the way back around 300 A.D. The second seal, symbolizing communism, the red spirit in the earth, began about, what, 1848 A.D., the third seal is capitalism, the black spirit. And the fourth seal, the green spirit, represents Islamism. Then you have the arrival of the first trumpet. The first four seals, then the first trumpet. So you can see how these are the seals, trumpets, and vials are going to overlap each other. You have the arrival of the first trumpet, which was World War I in 1914, Then afterward, the second trumpet, Uh, World War II in um, 1939 to 45. The third trumpet sounded, which was the Chernobyl nuclear accident. It happened in 1986. And then under the fourth trumpet, the Berlin Wall fell and the days were shortened. The fifth trumpet was the Gulf War in um, 1990 and then the sixth trumpet is the Euphrates River War or World War III and but the fifth seal still has not occurred yet. So I want to I really make sure you get that they overlap each other. This is very important when you're trying to figure out the book of Revelation. So you have World War III that's coming and then comes the fifth seal. The souls under the altar which is the great tribulation. That's the fifth seal. But that happens after the Sixth Trumpet War, World War III. So they're going to overlap here as we go. Then comes the sixth seal and the sixth vial. That's Armageddon, the wrath of God, all happening simultaneously. The second coming of Jesus Christ happens at the same point. So, it's very important. um, Under the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial, all are happening at the same time and there is silence in heaven, and this is when the rapture takes place. Now, I, I know that if, if you're just hearing this for the first time, you can say, whoa, 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 Dave, you're, you know, you're blowing me away here. This goes against everything I've ever been taught about prophecy. But once you understand that these things overlap, and these are different events leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ then the book of Revelation really starts to make sense. Because if you believe it's written in chronological order, you're going to have, have the wrath of God happening several times in the future. But it only happens once. It happens at the vials of the wrath of God, the seven vials. So we want to figure all this out because we're talking about the end time scenario here. Then you come to the, the timeline for the final seven years that's just ahead. And that's different than the seals, trumpets, and vials. Okay? The final seven years begins with a, a treaty signed between the Palestinians and the Israelis. It's a Middle East peace treaty. This is found in Daniel nine twenty seven, And this launches the final seven years preceding the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. It's referred to by many prophecy teachers as Daniel's 70th week. It's a final seven year period that precedes the second coming in the battle of Armageddon. Under this peace treaty the Temple Mount will be placed under a sharing arrangement and this is when the prophesied end time revival will begin. And the revival will continue throughout the next seven years culminating at the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. I've actually had heard people teach that the Bible doesn't prophesy a great end time revival. Oh, but it does. And my job and your job as a Christian will be to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God all the way to the end. Remember what Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached and then the end will come. And that's our job, right? All the way throughout the end time, evangelism, evangelism evangelism preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom expanding God's kingdom and then he will come back and establish his physical kingdom here on the earth and so I wanted to go through this today because there are there's a lot of teaching out there there's a lot of different um, scenarios that are going on playing out in the world how do we make sense of it all well the Bible lays it out for us the book of Revelation And so that's what we're going through today. We're laying everything out, but I'm gonna end up, before the end of the program, in Revelation chapter 22. And we're gonna walk through that because it explains it in great detail. It ties up all the loose ends, and it helps us to understand this wonderful book. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time Prophecy. Call one 800 end or visit endtime.com events for more information. During the first three and one half years of the final seven year period, the Jews' third temple will be built. Once the temple is built, then animal sacrifices will be resumed since the Jewish people still feel obligated to offer sacrifices under the Old Testament law for the atonement for sin. Halfway through that final seven year period, The final three and one half years begins and at this time there is a war in heaven between Satan and his angels and God and his angels. It's mentioned in uh, Revelation chapter 12. Satan will be defeated and consequently he will be confined to the earth and forbidden from ever appearing in heaven again. No more access to heaven. Currently Satan does have access to heaven. After this war, no more. At, this very, at, this, um, at the same time, the abomination of desolation will occur, the Antichrist will be revealed, and the false prophet who supports the Antichrist will also be on the world stage. And this begins the Great Tribulation period. That's the, that's the final three and one half year period immediately preceding the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Great Tribulation only lasts three and one half years. There is a final seven year period. The Great Tribulation is only the final three and one half years of that. Also, at the same time, Satan sends his two agents out, uh, which would be the Antichrist and the false prophet. That's when the two witnesses will be sent out by God and they will begin their ministries as well. That's Revelation chapter 11. During this final three and and one-half years, the Antichrist will expand his control over the world more and more. Toward the end of his reign, he will implement the mark of the beast to make sure everyone pledges allegiance to him and worships him. At the end of the seven years, the second coming of Jesus to the earth will take place. The Jews will meet their Messiah at that time and the Antichrist and false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire at the same time. That's Revelation 19, 20. And it also mentions it back in Daniel chapter 7. Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit for the next 1,000 years, the 1,000 year millennial reign, and Jesus Christ will be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And this will put us into that next 1,000 year millennial reign of peace with Jesus Christ and His church. We who have been born again, those that go in the rapture, we will reign, rule and reign as kings and priests with Jesus in His kingdom here on the earth. Human governments are done away with and He will establish His kingdom and we will rule in His government here on the earth over the mortals that are left behind. Now I want to talk to you about the statement that I made in the beginning, behold, I come quickly. There's there's many different uh, feelings when you get, when I say behold I come quickly and it's the Lord and you understand that it's uh, Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. What do you feel? Am I afraid of that event? Do I have, I've heard of people having rapture anxiety because they really don't know where they're going to spend eternity. Or, for those that have been born again, you know your name's in the land's book of life, they feel joy. I'm, I'm ready to go. Lord, come back. But the message of the book of Revelation, that's what I want to stick with here because uh, I want you to understand what the book of Revelation really was all about, the revealing of Jesus Christ and that He's coming back before very long, very long to gather His church unto Him and we will be with Him for eternity. From Revelation chapter 21, I've moved through the book of Revelation here. From Revelation chapter 21, we know that the New Jerusalem is the Bride of Christ, the Church. We also know there are two Jerusalems. You have the physical Jerusalem located in the land of Israel, and the Bible also talks about a spiritual Jerusalem being constructed as um, God gives birth to His church. Revelation chapter 22 we hear the admonition of God Himself as He issues His final words designed for those of us who live in the end time or at the day of his return to the earth. And this is what I want to get deep into across the program today. Because again, like I said, there's so many different teachings out there and there's going to be a bunch of different temples and the the, the end is going to be like this and uh, the timing of it all. But I wanted us to understand from Revelation chapter 22 how how this thing culminates. It's pretty nice sometimes when... um, you go, you want to know what happens, you go read the the end of the book, right? Well, that's what happens here in Revelation 22. It kind of ties a knot on the bow of this big present that God gave us. So when we're going through Revelation chapter 22, the first five verses of chapter 22, it really continues to describe the glories of the New Jerusalem, the church in Revelation chapter 21. Then this final chapter of Revelation, it restates the purpose for which this last awesome book of the Bible was given. I've had pastors tell me over the years, uh, Dave, I I just don't touch, touch the book of Revelation, especially from after Revelation 4 uh, all the way to Revelation 22. I don't understand the beast and everything. And and that's, there's no problem with that. Some some, you know, if you're going to really kind of botch it up, it might be best to stay off of it and have us come to a prophecy conference, you know, because, uh, but it's very important you understand it because this is the end time scenario here. But, however, Revelation 22, verse 6, it really declares the purpose very clearly. Uh, John said, and he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. Jesus said that he sent his angel to show his servants the things that must shortly come to pass. Our Lord wants his servants to know what the future holds, so that we not be left in the dark. We're not walking around a fog in the end time, which creates anxiety, right? The Lord wanted us to know what was in this awesome book we have a dvd series it's called uh, revelation the unveiling of Jesus Christ we produce that to help give understanding to all who desire to know the things that will soon come to pass in the book and you can purchase your copy by calling 1-800-363-8463 or just go to visit um, endtime.com go to the store there and purchase your copy Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it will open your mind to the book of Revelation. I mean, imagine going through the whole book of the Bible and then say, well I can't really understand that so I'm just not going to pay any attention to that book. And there are people that do that. But wow, you're missing so much of the unveiling of Jesus Christ in this wonderful end time scenario. You say, well I'm scared to death of the end time scenario. Not me. I'm going to be an evangelist all throughout. And I'm going to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God all the way to the end. You say, well, what happens to the martyrs and the mark of the beast and all that stuff? Hey, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And the Antichrist, he can take care of himself. The, 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 The false prophet, he can do whatever he's going. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. We teach prophecy as a message of hope throughout the end time, not a message of fear. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, right, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. The apostles weren't running around in fear, even though they lived under the reign of a world government. And neither will Christians in the end time be running around in fear mode. I'm captivated by the Antichrist, I can't move. That's not the way the church... The Bible says in the end time, during the time of the Antichrist, that the church will be strong and do exploits, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many. We are teaching prophecy as a message of hope. So, Revelation 26, we're going back there. We're also told the identity of the one who has been talking to John throughout this vision. God said that he sent his angel to show us things that must come to pass. Well, that moves us to Revelation 22, 7. It gives us the theme of the final chapter of the last book of the Bible. It says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. You know, many people have questioned why the declaration? Behold, I come quickly. Uh, Why would that be made when the book of Revelation was written close to 2,000 years ago? Well, this scripture saying, Behold, I come quickly, it has proven true for each generation since the book of Revelation was given to John. Jesus has been calling individuals home for over 2,000 years, and it always seems to come too quickly. Behold, I come quickly, right? Life is but a vapor. Um, James 4:14 says, "For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth just for a little time, and then it vanisheth away." I mean, life just—I'm—I'm I'm getting older now. I'll be 55 in August, and my life is just flying by me. Behold, I'm coming quickly, Dave. That's what he's saying. So as the generation who will soon see the physical return of Jesus to the earth, the words have never rung truer. Behold, I come quickly. Three times in this closing chapter of the Holy Scriptures, God repeats the phrase, Behold, I come quickly. Now, this leaves no doubt the overriding purpose of this final, wonderful book of Scripture is to warn us to be ready for His coming. And, you know, after saying, Behold, I come quickly, Jesus went on to say, Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Well, what does He mean by that statement? How can we keep the sayings of the prophecies given in the book of Revelation? Uh, Let's see, how can I explain this? So if you uh, you go back to chapters 2 and 3 in the book of Revelation messages are given straight from Jesus to seven churches of Asia and we are told that we were that they were doing right and that hey some of you guys you're not you're in the wrong here and so we should learn from these messages and adjust our conduct accordingly then in chapter 6 of revelation the four spirits that seek to control the human race, um, Catholicism, the white spirit, communism, the red spirit, capitalism, and Islamism, they're revealed. Now we should understand that these forces and not allow our lives to be controlled by them. We're, we're obeying the prophecies of this book. In uh, chapter 7, God devotes the entire chapter to the great uh, end-time Jewish-Gentile revival that will be poured out just prior to his second coming. By revealing this revival to us Jesus wants us to prepare to participate in this final harvest just prior to his second coming. That's what he's saying to us here. I want you to prepare. There's a great revival coming and I want you to prepare for that. You're not preparing to be just caught away. You're preparing for a great end time revival. I am coming but I want you to prepare because I want you to know about this time. And John actually said in Revelation 7:9, I saw a multitude in heaven that no man could number out of every multitude, kindred, uh, nation, and tongue. So it's not just going to be the Jews during that time. There's going to be a great revival of every nation, kindred, people, and tongue. So isn't the Bible... Isn't it just dynamic and eye-opening and it just reveals so much? Then in chapters 8 through 11, the seven trumpets are given to us so that we can understand the, the, the world-changing uh, events that are happening all around us. And there are, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of articles that we could go to to talk about different events, world government, world religion, all these different things. Jesus Jesus told us in Matthew 24, verse 6, He said, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. uh, See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And although we are living through the events of the prophesied, uh, that are prophesied in the seven trumpets, we're in between the fifth trumpet and the sixth trumpet right now, Jesus told us not to be troubled by all these um, climactic events. Because Trouble, fear will put you in a jail cell in your mind. Tori, you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. Can't do that. You cannot do what Jesus wanted you to do in the end time and fulfill your purpose, God's purpose for your life if you're in fear mode. That's why we do not teach a message of fear, but of hope and faith and love and trust in God in the end time. Now, Jesus was saying that we should stay on course and accomplish what? he has called us to do in reaping this final harvest, this great end time revival. Well, then that leads us to, where was I? 8-11, so chapter 12 now. Uh, we're given an overview of events from the birth of Christ. And um, so can you see how dynamic this book of Revelation is? it is important that you understand it because we want it, it it helps bring a peace you say there's so many of these uh major events that are going to happen they are but they're setting the stage to the, for the great end time revival the symbols and prophecies within the book of revelation have perplexed christians and unbelievers around the world in his final work revelation the unveiling of jesus christ part two the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools available for $299 will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-ENDTIME or go to endtime.com.
1: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you.
0: If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, Go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Let's see, where we're. So we're in Revelation chapter 12. We, in this chapter, we're given an overview of events from the birth of Christ all the way to the end of the Great Tribulation. In verse 14 of this chapter, it is, again, this chapter houses the um, war in heaven. And then it talks about Satan is bound to the earth. He comes down to persecute the woman which is Israel and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ in verse 14 of this chapter, it is revealed that the eagle, the United States, will stand with Israel against the entire world in the end time. And this information should give the United States confidence to stand against the Antichrist and his world government through most of the the nations of the world will be against us. We should have confidence. The Bible says it gives a prophecy that we will stand with Israel and protect her all the way throughout the end time. That's Revelation 12. Chapter 13 clearly reveals to us Satan's plan for the last days. We're shown the Antichrist and his world government, the false prophet and his world religion and the enforcement mechanism of Satan's plan to cause all the people to worship him. This enforcement mechanism is called the mark of the beast. Then you move to chapter 14 Chapter 14 will told uh, all who worship the Antichrist and receive the mark of the beast will be tormented forever and ever in the presence of the Lamb and His holy angels. And the chapter then concludes with an account of the two harvests, the simultaneous harvest, the harvest of the wheat and the harvest of the tares. It's the same thing in Matthew chapter uh, 13. In Revelation 14, it's the, the harvest of the vine of the earth and the harvest of the earth. And this gives us Revelation's third account of the rapture of the church and the battle of Armageddon. Then we go to chapters 15 and 16. That records the coming wrath of God that will be poured out upon His enemies during the battle of Armageddon. So you can see this is just a wonderful story that's being told over and over and over in different sets of events leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. But the Lord wanted to prepare us and to make sure that we uh, gleaned from the prophecies and obey the prophecies because it's telling us a story here and He wants us to prepare. Now after these chapters We come to chapter 17 and 18 and really God interrupts the flow of the book of Revelation to interject the account of his judgment that will be poured out upon false Christianity in the end time. People that have moved away from the truth and align themselves with this world religious system and the world governing body. Chapters 17 and 18 are devoted to the judgment of mystery Babylon and all of her daughters. And his warning, really, to all of us, is given in Revelation 18:4. Come out of her, to my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye be and that ye receive not of her plagues. Revelation 19:7 gives us the final account of the rapture in the battle of Armageddon. It says, uh, "Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself." ready. So you've got the rapture happening all the way back here in Revelation 19. Then it it goes into an account in the bottom of the chapter of the battle of Armageddon again, because it all happens right there at the same time. Then in uh, Revelation chapter 20 we see the binding of Satan for a thousand years in the bottomless pit, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and his church and the great white throne of judgment. That's in Revelation 20. And then we come to Revelation chapter 21. We're told in really in no uncertain terms, the New Jerusalem is a portrayal of the bride, the church. Remember the angel said to John in Revelation 21 verses 9 through 10, Hey, John, come hither. I want to show you something. I'm gonna show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Who's the bride? The lamb's wife? That's the church. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and he showed me that great city the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. Then the rest of the chapter then goes on to describe many of the wonderful attributes of the church. Think about it. Go read through Revelation 21 real slowly and you'll see what I'm saying. And there will be times in the near future when we'll break this down and the, the, the um, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ, that DVD series, it really breaks it down, uh, this entire scenario. It goes through all the different timelines and everything. Uh, so again, you can get your copy, 1-800-363-8463, or go to endtime.com. So, the book of Revelation is finalized in Revelation chapter uh, 22, verses 6. Let's see, what we went we through went 6 down through verse 21 and we're told many things in these last 16 verses. To begin with, we're told, worship no one else but God. Now that's that's really the um, the, the, the cornerstone of all truth. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, period. Deuteronomy 6:4, And you're not supposed to worship any other God than that one true God. So after seeing all of these visions and prophecies given to John in the book of Revelation, John was just I mean, imagine the things that John saw. He was a bit overwhelmed, wouldn't you be? Revelation 22 8 and 9 reveals his reaction. John, uh, it says, and I, John, saw these things and heard them and when I had heard and seen I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel that showed me these things. But the angel said, whoa, whoa, you know, John, he said, the Bible says he said unto me, see thou do it not, for I'm thy fellow servant and thy brethren, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. But you John, you worship God and him alone. John's impulse was to fall at the feet of the angel that had shown him all of these incredible revelations. The angel immediately reproved him and reminded him of a truth that none of us should ever forget. The angel said, whoa, 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 no, no, John, hold on. Now, wait a minute here, John. You're supposed to worship God and that's it. When Jesus was tempted, you remember, by Satan to worship him back in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus quoted the words of the first commandment, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and Him only shalt thou serve." That's what the angel is telling John here. We all must forever remember there is only one and only one God. Never worship anyone else. Never pray to anyone else. Only God and God alone. So now the time is at hand. In Revelation 22.10, the angel speaking with John said unto him, Well. Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Well, many people have questioned this statement, the time is at hand. I mean, since the book of Revelation was written almost 2,000 years ago, why did the angel say the time is at hand? This statement is true because the book of Revelation covers the entire 2,000 years from the time it was written until now. The seven churches to whom God sent messages in chapters 2 and 3 They existed at the time the Revelation was written by John on the Isle of Patmos 2,000 years ago. In chapter 5 we're shown heaven before Jesus came to the earth as a lamb and then we see the lamb as it is slain. Afterward we see the prophecy of the four horsemen representing the four spirits that would control the nations of the earth from Christ until his second coming. All of these things explain why the angel instructed John to not seal up the book because the time is at hand. You see? Well then we have a kind of like a a last-minute call in Revelation chapter 22 verse 11 through 20. It's specifically directed at the people who will be on the earth at the time of the conclusion of the events of the book of Revelation. I believe that will be you and me, should God tarry. Revelation chapter 22, verse 11 through 12 seems to speak to those who are living right before the time of the rapture. And it says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, here it is again, I come quickly and my reward is with me, to every man according as his works shall be. Can't just live however you want and make it to heaven. A lot of people think that. I talk to a lot of people. Some people think, well, I'll just do whatever I want and make it. No, no, no. The Bible says you'll be judged according to your works. Read Revelation, Revelation 20, the account of the great white throne. So um, at, then at this moment when the last sermon has been preached, think about it, the last altar invitation has been given, the last prayer has been prayed, and every person's eternal destination has been locked in. Those who are unjust will remain unjust. And those who are filthy will face eternity in their filthy condition. That's why you've got to prepare now. Don't wait till, well, I'm going to wait till I hear the trumpet and then I'm going to get ready. No, 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 no. Be too late at that point. I've got to get ready now. Those who have lived lives of holiness and righteousness will meet God in their righteous condition here. You know, it's sobering to think about this time, but it is a time that will soon come. Jesus then repeats His warning again. Behold, I come quickly. You know, even if I live to be 100 years old, He's still coming quickly. In the grand scheme of eternity, 100 years, that's just just—that's not even a vapor. I mean, it's just flying by so fast. Behold, I come quickly for all of us. Well, in Revelation 22, verse 14 through 15, it's almost as though Jesus describes, or uh, I should say, um, describes, decides to give one more appeal. He says, blessed are they that do His commandments, that they have that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Lying has become very prevalent in our society, but liars aren't going to make it to heaven. I wouldn't make that a practice. Uh, Deuteronomy 30, 19 repeats the call made to mankind throughout the Old Testament and New Testaments. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. The we are presented with a statement that has perplexed many, but it shouldn't. At this point, a statement is made, I am the root and the offspring of David. In these next verses, throughout the book of Revelation, Jesus declares who he really is. From Revelation 1 8, when he declared, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, uh, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Then to Revelation 1.18 where he said, I am he that liveth, and was dead, and behold I am alive forevermore. Do you know who that was? I was alive, but I died. And then, now I'm alive forevermore. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over
2: 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room.
0: So consider this, I was alive, I was dead, and now I'm alive forevermore. Of course, it's talking about Jesus Christ here. And then as he brings his Holy Scriptures to a close in Revelation 22:16, 16, he declares, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. How in the world? I mean, how could he claim to be both the root and the offspring of David? Because as Almighty God who created all things, He's the root of David. And as the Son of God, He is the offspring of David. I mean, all of these things, once you study them out, they really become pretty easy to understand, right? Thankfully, the prevailing message about the preparation for the second coming of Jesus Christ is, Whosoever will come. You know, even as the book of Revelation draws to a close, Jesus is still calling for His prized creation, the human race, to come to salvation. Revelation 22:17. 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, let him that, his, uh, that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life Freely. This promise is to everyone under the sound of my voice. You say, Dave, you don't know what I've done. Irrelevant. Come to the Lord. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to save you. That's what it's telling us right here in the book of Revelation. This passage is telling us, again, the the world that it's telling the world that God's spirit is calling everyone to salvation and the bride, the church, is also saying come. Come. The most wonderful message of this scripture is whosoever will may come. You're not, the church roof is not going to fall in on you if you walk in a church someday. Don't worry. I've been in a bunch of churches and the roofs, I've never seen a roof cave in because a sinner walked in. It's not God's will that anyone should be lost. Whosoever will means whosoever desires to come can be saved. If you want to be saved, you can be. There is a promise from God. But then there's a final warning. God issues a, a, a solemn warning in Revelation 22:18 18-19. He says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book and if any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy of this book God shall take away his part out of the book of life certainly don't want that to happen and out of the holy city which is what the church and from the things which are written in this book it's apparent that God did not want the prophecies of the book of Revelation to be tampered with period he said if anyone added to the prophecies found in Revelation that he would add unto that person the plagues found in the book. He went on to say in verse 19, if anyone would take away from the words of the book of Revelation, God would take away his part out of the book of life. You say, well, whoa, whoa, hold on, Dave, you lost me right there. Well, here it is, folks. We see a very important truth declared here in verse 19. God warned that a person's name could be removed from the book of life. Read it. You know there are many people who teach once a person's name is written in the book of life that it cannot be removed. I know I'm messing with some of your theology now but I'm going by Revelation. Go read Revelation 22. This verse declares the opposite. This is not stating that anyone besides ourselves can remove our name from the land's book of life. That's not possible. However, it is stating that through our own actions, we could cause our names to be removed from the land's book of life even after they were once written there. It's all throughout the Bible that people were saying that their name would be blotted out. Read it. It's in there. There's another very important truth that we should learn from verses 18 and 19. Not only should we not add or take away from the book of Revelation, But we should also not alter any of the scriptures. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. Every one of us should have a deep reverence for the sacredness of God's word. We should never attempt to alter it to fit our lifestyle or to justify something that we're doing wrong, you'll be judged for those things. Psalm 119.89 says, uh, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Just because I want to do something doesn't mean I can say, well, I know the word of God says that, but that book's ancient history. I don't have to apply that to my life. That's fine. You don't have to if you don't want to. But there's a judgment day coming. We need to talk about these things. Well, now we come to the culmination of it all. John concludes this, just a marvelous book in Revelation chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. It says, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely, here it is again, I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So, for the third time in this final chapter, We receive the warning from Jesus that He is coming quickly. And then John adds his own commentary. He said, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And finally, John signs off with his final salutation. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You might be saying, well, we'll, we'll hold on now. That's a lot of information. What now? Well, number one, you need to be born again. You say, David, what do I do now? How do I prepare for this? You told me to prepare for the end time and be an evangelist. What do I do? Well, you must be born again. The beginning of spiritual preparation for eternity is to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, a man cannot see or enter the kingdom of God without being born again. Remember, uh, John 3, verses 3 through 7. um, The Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus said back to him, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Yes, we know there are apocalyptic events that are prophesied for the end time. Instances where one's life could be taken. I understand all that. However, we also know the Lord could call any one of us home at any time. So, why wait? You say, "Well, I, I've been wanting to get born again, but I'm, you know, I'm just going to put it off." Uh, you know, well, hey, why wait? The Bible says, "Now this is the day of salvation." Today, the Bible says, "Behold, now is the accepted time." Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's uh, 2 Corinthians six two. Today, don't put it off. It's very, very critical. So. For a conclusive explanation of the biblical plan of salvation, born again, call 1-800-363-8463 and ask for the free brochure, What Do You Mean Born Again? Or visit endtime.com. It's all there. Just type in, What Do You Mean Born Again? in the search bar. So don't wait. Be born again today. Why, Dave? Because you're preparing for the soon coming of Jesus Christ and for the events just ahead. Once you're born again, and you start living as a Christian, and you're you're, um, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you're prepared, should He take you tomorrow morning or at the time of the rapture? You know you're ready to go. And talk about putting your mind at ease and taking away some kind of a rapture anxiety. Once you know you're ready to go and your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, It takes the fear out of it. The Bible says that Jesus Christ defeated him that through that um, had the power of death, and he defeated the Satan who through kept people in bondage their whole life through the fear of death. The Bible says that. So why would you be afraid of dying, not not knowing where I'm going to spend eternity? So be born again. Get that taken care of, number one. Number two, no one understand biblical truths. The Bible says uh, John 8:32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. People who do not know the truth, they're in bondage. And this will impede one's ability to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. You know, the Bible says uh, John 5:39, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life but and they are they that testify me so just don't go by what people see. I would encourage you what we're teaching you here on the end time show go look for yourself in the Bible make sure I'm telling you make sure what I'm telling you aligns up with the Word of God now I can assure you that it does I'm not gonna teach something that's not in the Word of God because I don't want to be held accountable as a minister on the judgment day for that, no way. I'm gonna make sure I stick right by this word of God. So, you've got to know your Bible. The Bible is the only book that can reveal how many gods there are. There's only one. The Bible tells us that. There are many books around the world where people are worshiping all kinds of things. Nope. Remember what the angel told John. Don't worship me, John. You worship God and God alone. The Bible's the only book that can share the story of that one God's redemptive plan for the human race. The Bible's the only book that can show you how to be saved. The Bible's the only book that can teach you how to live as a Christian once you are saved, preparing you for eternity. The Bible's the only book that can give you the knowledge and confidence to teach and lead others to Christ, which is what you should do beyond the born again experience. The Bible's the only book that can tell you which church is true and which ones are false. There are false churches out there that have moved away from the truth. Don't want to be part of that in the end time. The Bible's the only book that can provide prophecies written thousands of years ago which are coming to pass right now, which can help build your faith in the Word of God and give you direction throughout these end time prophecies, this end time scenario that I've walked you through. So in the end time, a working knowledge of the Bible is of utmost importance because it's biblical illiteracy that would allow somebody to believe the false prophet's deceptive messages and pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and his world governing system. So there you have it, folks. The end time scenario. Now that was a, honestly, that was really a treetop version. I mean we can get into deep theological discourse and go down all the verses and every chapter and dissect them and analyze them and uh, just glean so much from them but I wanted to give you an overall scenario here because Revelation uh, chapter 22 really kind of brings everything it's the culmination of it all and the Bible says that the Lord said three times behold I come quickly But you that are desiring to be saved, come on, come on. If you're a backslider, come home. If you're a sinner, you need to be saved, come on. The church roof, I can promise you, will not fall in on you. So I want to say God bless each and every one of you as we all prepare for the soon return of Jesus Christ to this earth when he will establish his physical kingdom for the thousand years.